Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. My name is Keith Caulfield, and I am the co-director of Charts at Billboard. Joining me, as always, is Billboard.com Senior Editor, Katie Atkinson. Hi, Keith. How are you? Great. A little a little raspy today. You know how I like to do. Hi there. <laughs> um, uh, well, we're actually recording this on Halloween. Yes. Halloween. Um, are you, um, when people hear this, it'll be after Halloween, but um, are you dressing up tonight? I'm not planning to dress up. I had my Halloween fun over the weekend. I think a lot of people did. Yeah, I think so too. And, uh, you know, we'll hand some candy out if we get any trick-or-treaters, but that's that's about it for tonight. Do you have a particular favorite Halloween song, Halloween music? Do you oh, enjoy? Oh, interesting. Well, we, you know what? This I did, is not scripted. You know what I did at karaoke on Friday night? Oh, you haven't told me what you did. I did Zombie by the Cranberries. Zombie, yes. zombie. I'm an I'm like you know an Irish girl at heart, so oh. I really got got into those like uh, yodels that Dolores does so well. So it was super fun, actually. Wow. Yeah. How about you? Favorite um, Halloween song? Um. Well, I don't think I specifically like Halloween. Like, I, it's hard to think. And like Christmas music, it's very specific. Yes, but like Zombie, for instance, they didn't make that no. to be a Halloween song. No, I mean I like I mean. I you like, obviously like The Nightmare Before Christmas. Which I saw live at the Hollywood Bowl. Yes. Um, they played the film, and they had a lot of the performers from the movie come and sing live. Indeed. So that was fun, you know. Which is like, it's also, it's a Christmas slash Halloween movie. It's definitely like, Halloween owns that movie now. Right. But like, it has the word Christmas in the title. It's totally, <laughs> it's, it, I think it can work on, you can watch it at Halloween and at Christmas. Totally. Yeah. Um, well, anyway... After all that, um, <laughs> the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the week's big pop news, fun chart stats and stories, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. On this week's show, we'll be talking about Lady Gaga's new number one album, Joanne, how Drake has a pair of debuts in the top 40 of the Billboard Hot 100 chart, and how Ariana Grande continues to climb the charts with her Nicki Minaj collaboration side to side. I like that little rolled R there. Grande. <laughs> um, but uh, plus, I almost jumped to the but first part. Plus, we've got an interview with Brendan Urie of Panic at the Disco. You know, we're Halloween adjacent. So Halloween adjacent. It, it works. Um, we spoke to Brendan a few weeks ago, uh, shortly after the release of his new video for L.A. Devotee, which is appropriately creepy-ish. <laughs> it has some satanic vibes to it. Um, so stick around for that chat later on in the show. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast... Subscribe to the show on iTunes so you won't miss a single episode. And remember, when you subscribe to us on iTunes, you not only get the Tuesday Pop Shop podcast, but you also get Must Hear Music and our headliner interview show. So much Pop Shop. So much Pop Shop. It's just seeping out of the walls at Billboard. <laughs> um, also, give us a rating or review while you're at it. And if you have any questions for us, you can tweet us at Keith underscore Caulfield or KT Atkinson. And... If you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, not just the three we talked about, visit iTunes.com slash Billboard Podcast. We've got a Latin podcast. We've got 
a Chartbeat podcast. Soul Sisters. Soul Sisters, which is actually, if you enjoy sort of long-form interviews with, like, dynamic women from all kinds of music, yeah. from Broadway to soul to, you know, singer-songwriter, rock If you vibes, liked our last two episodes a lot, featuring Bette Midler, Stevie Nicks, and Sheryl Crow, really then you like would really Sisters. like Soul Sisters. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, let's, uh, let's get right into uh, this week's show. Uh, Lady Gaga... At number one, it debuts at number one on the Billboard 200 chart. Joanne. Joanne. Um, it is her fourth number one on the Billboard 200. Katie, uh, do you know uh, Lady Gaga's three other number one albums? Well, I'm assuming one of them has to be Cheek to Cheek with Tony Bennett. Correct. And then Art Pop. Yep. So that's where I'm stalling. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, so was the fame monster in this decade? It wasn't. So we're referring to something else, huh? We're just this. She's had four number ones in total. Fame monster never went to number oh, one. Oh, so just the fame? Nope. What? That would leave. What am I missing? Uh, Ooh, there ain't no other way. Oh, born this way. Look at me. Yeah. That's crazy. I didn't realize fame monster didn't go number one. No, wow, it did not. Okay, born this way. Duh. Well, Joanne uh, debuts at number one uh, with 201,000 equivalent album units earned in the week ending October 27th, according to Nielsen Music. That is actually the fourth biggest debut See, of the year. numbers. Yeah, it's actually, it did better than people thought. It was it was going to, I think the, the super initial forecast, like the day or so after it was released, they thought, or like 140. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's always kind of a... When you make a forecast that quickly, mm-hmm. it's always going to be... It, it's very likely to shift. Yeah. Yes. And then it ended up going to 180, which I thought that was what it was going to stick with. And then I think by the time Thursday rolled around, I was hearing that you know people were saying, oh, it's going to like maybe hit 200. And I'm like, is this one of those things where everyone's like, oh, it's going to do nothing. And then it suddenly sells right. a lot. Wink, wink, yeah. wink. <laughs> I was like, no, I think we it actually... We knew all along this was going to do well. <laughs> yeah. Clearly clearly the promo that she did, and she, done, oh, she did tons of promo. She killed it on, on the promo trail. Uh, helped. Um, so yeah, it's the fourth uh, biggest start of the year. Um, and also in traditional album sales, because you know the Billboard 200 isn't just traditional album sales anymore. It's album sales, tracks, and streams. It sold 170,000 copies. That's a pretty decent debut, um, considering the state of album sales this year. Um, And uh, did you know, with her fourth number one album, um, all four of them have occurred this decade, since 2010. And uh, she now has the most number ones among women this decade. I did know that because Lady Gaga tweeted it at, and, and tagged us at Billboard for that fun fact. She discovered that from the story from that I wrote. From your article. <laughs> um, funny how that works yes. out. So thanks, thanks for tweeting us, Gaga. Yeah. Um, there actually are other acts that have earned four number one albums this decade, um, but just none of them were women. Yeah. Um, Drake and Justin Bieber both have six number ones this decade, and then One Direction and Kanye West also have four as well. And I think a lot of people would be surprised that it wasn't Taylor Swift or Beyonce. Which both have both three have number three. ones. Exactly. Yes. Um, and you know what you did uh, last Thursday, Yeah, Katie. speaking of Lady Gaga's promo trail. Oh my god. Uh, Katie got to go see Lady Gaga live and in the flesh. Literally, you could probably smell her flesh. <laughs> she was that close to you. Yes, yeah, so I was able to go to the Los Angeles stop of the Dive Bar Tour. She only did three stops. It was the final one after she had stopped in Nashville and New York 
And it was like the meatiest of the concerts that she did because it was the only one that was after Joanne was released. Mm -hmm. So the fans had had time to take in this new music. She didn't have to give anything away. The music was out there. So she did seven songs. And where was this at? It was at the Satellite in uh, Silver Lake. How big is this place? Oh, I mean, there were 250 people there. Total. <laughs> it's a, basically literally a bar. It is a, it, I mean, as, and, and a tiny as little promised, it's a dive bar. Yeah. yeah. And it's a dive bar that, that does host bands, but we're talking about like local bands that you might not have heard of, you know, and apparently they had to expand the stage out a little bit just to accommodate. She has a full cast of musicians with her. Right. Dancers, the whole thing at this tiny little stage. And uh, Mark Ronson joined her for the performance. Um, backing her up on, on guitar in a few songs. Uh, and, you know, another reporter and I were lucky enough to be some of the first people in the room and sidled right up to where the microphone stand was and, and literally looked up at Lady Gaga all night just right in front of us. It was crazy. If, if you guys watch the, um, the uh, video, if, if there's still a video of this concert. Yeah, it still is on Facebook Live. I think it, it, it will expire, but I believe it's like a week. So there, oh. it's still on Facebook Live. So if you watch it, you literally will see Katie throughout the show. She's directly, yes. if you watch the very first song, Katie is directly in front of the microphone stand. And there are numerous shots where Gaga and Katie are in the same frame <laughs> together. And I'm like, well, it's Katie. She's literally... <laughs> I do, blah, blah. <laughs> Even um, the photo, when I covered the show for Billboard.com, the photo that the our photo team chose to put in the, my story, I'm my face is in the photo. <laughs> 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 like, she's stage diving, and my head is, like, you know, about to be kicked by her, <laughs> by her foot because she's stage diving, like, right next to me. But um, it was incredible. I mean, this is no secret. She's an, an amazing live performer. Yeah. A showwoman. Her voice has never sounded better, I feel like. I mean, if you just watch the SNL performance of Million Reasons, um, she did that song and just absolutely killed it. And um, I had, I, I hate admitting this because I was in the room of all Gaga super fans. I hadn't listened to all of Joanne before I went to the Die Bar tour. Well. So I had not heard the song John Wayne. Mm-hmm. And that song is so much fun. It is so country. Like, it is just pure. Like, if you gave Florida Georgia Line that song, it would be awesome. Like, it, it's crazy how, like, much of a, like, a current country radio sound that song has. Hmm. So that, it's, the album is killer. I've since listened to the whole thing. And the opportunity to see somebody of that, you know, caliber up like so close i i just it's kind of unbelievable wow yeah um well um let's uh let's let's move on uh, to some more impressive ladies to some more impressive ladies over on the billboard hot 100 uh, ariana grande um her song side to side which features Nicki minaj climbs to a new peak on the billboard hot 100 rising eight to seven uh it's the third single from grande's dangerous woman album now, with the song's ascent, it is now the highest charting song from Dangerous Woman, surpassing the number eight peak of the title track and lead single back in June. The album's second single, Into You, stalled out at number 13 back in August. I still love that song. It's kind of surprising because I maybe is it just because it had a bit of a slower burn? Into You? Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it was, was all over radio. It, it was, I think it just had a, um, it had a sustained success for. Uh, sustained 
good success. Oh uh, yeah, I mean top twenty obviously is great, but, but I'm it, surprised it, it didn't go top ten. It just didn't have um, the oomph that side to side clearly yeah. has. Yeah, that VMA's performance probably didn't hurt. Yeah, that that helped uh, set off set it off for yeah. side to side. Yeah, um, and um, it's actually her highest charting song, Grande's highest charting song since Focus also reached number seven in November of 2015. Uh, Focus is not on the Dangerous Woman album. It's just a standalone single. I'm assuming had Focus actually done a lot better because it debuted at number seven and then it quickly fell. Yeah. Had it maybe done better, maybe it would have appeared on the album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think they're kind of wanting to leave that one behind, perhaps. I'm not really sure. Fair enough. Um, Fun fact, this is actually Nicki Minaj's highest charting song since Bang Bang. Uh, which was uh, performed alongside Ariana Grande and Jesse J, uh, peaked at number three in October of 2014. And that was like a month after Nikki's own Anaconda was a top three hit. I think it actually went to maybe number two, in fact. Okay. Um, number two or number four? Oh, I should know that. <laughs> um, I just thought it was interesting how um, Nikki and Ariana have both worked together, I think, on three different songs mm-hmm. now. Um, Bang Bang, and then... There was a song that uh, Ariana guested on on the Pink Print, I think, um, for Nikki, and then Nikki paid the favor back yeah. for Ariana's album. And it's just cool that they've worked together so much, and two of the songs have found really big success. Oh yeah, um, I like them together too. And I, I wonder if they're like they seem like they're actually yeah they seem like they like legitimately are friends yeah yeah i mean maybe they're putting that on but they're doing a good job of it in an era (laughs) in an era when there's lots of like sort of diva infighting that's kind of nice to see like two like big if you choose to work together three times you probably don't hate each other probably (laughs) that's a good point um also on the hot 100 drake has a pair of songs that debut straight into the top 40 uh sneakin debuts at number 38 and that features 21 savage and fake love Debuts at number 24. I'm now, so shocked you didn't say Sneakin' snuck in at number 38. Oh, well, you just did. So it all works out. Somebody will pick up that terrible pun. Um, I think both tracks are slated to be on Drake's upcoming OVO Sound compilation that I think is supposed to be out before the end of the year. Maybe. I'm not really sure. There's no release date. Katie's just sort of going, Maybe sure. Maybe it's going to be out Friday. Who knows? <laughs> you it's, know, it's, it's Drake. It's Drake. <laughs> I mean, I think these songs are from that album. And I think there's going to be a handful of Drake songs. And then the rest of it is going to be artists that are on the OVO label. Perhaps. All this could change. <laughs> it's Drake. Yes. Um, would you believe, Katie, that these are Drake's 55th and 56th songs to reach the top 40? Given that his, like, almost his full album that he released last time was in like chart. Yeah. <laughs> I would believe that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> can you guess which acts, and there are only three, Oof. that have had uh, more top 40 hits than uh, Drake? I mean, and, I gotta and, go straight for, I gotta go straight for Michael Jackson. Nope. Woof. Uh, Mariah? Nope. Wow. Um... Okay. So one. So I'll, I'll give. Madonna. No. Okay. I'll give you a hint. One of these. One of these uh, artists uh, is a contemporary of Drake. Okay. So like Kanye. Nope. Um, In the ballpark here. Lil Wayne. Yep. Lil Wayne has sixty nine top forty wow. hits. Now a lot of those are people that he was featured on someone sure. else's track. Um, which helps both Drake and Lil Wayne. Yeah. Um, the, all their features on other people 
count towards their count. Now, these other two artists, uh, the vast majority, if not every single one of them, are all their own songs. Oh, wow. So, and are they they're not contemporaries of Drake's? Like, are these people that are still making music? Or uh, One of them is still making... Well, they're... T- both of them are still technically making music. But one, one of them is actually still truly making music. Interesting. Okay. You'll, you'll figure it out as soon as I tell you. Okay. Well, I might need another hint. So one has been around since the 50s. The other one's been oh. around since the very late 60s. Wow. Okay. Oh, well, I just realized I know one already. Because uh, you told me who Drake will tie with yeah, if that? he ties. That's Elton John. Elton John has 57. He's so somebody around since the 50s. Uh, yeah, well, also. Elton ha- Elton's still making music. So Elvis? Elvis Presley yes. has the most top 40 hits Woo-hoo. on the Hot 100 with 80. Wow. Um, and I say he's still making music because technically his estate is still releasing. He oh, just released I see. His, his new album, The Wonder of You, I believe, uh, yeah. just, just came out last week and debuts on our charts this week. Yeah. I believe it's called The Wonder of You. It was recorded with the Royal Philharmonic. Um, where oh, they yeah. did new yeah. arrangements of I saw old, that. all the songs. Yeah, Lady Gaga actually drove Elvis's car up to the show. That's right. At the dive bar. It was a car previously owned by Elvis Presley. And she joked in like a little Betty Boop voice up on stage like, He came a long way to loan me that car. All the way from heaven. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I enjoyed it. <laughs> oh. oh, Gaga. <laughs> Um, well, it is now time for the chart stat of the week. Oh man, here it is. Well, while we're um, talking about the Hot 100, uh, Pentatonix debuts its cover of Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah on the Hot 100 at number 32. The track is from Pentatonix's new Christmas album, A Pentatonix Christmas. Um, would you believe it's the eighth version of Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah to chart. And none of them have actually been by Leonard Cohen himself. (laughs) That doesn't seem right. Um, The song was originally released by Cohen in 1984 on his Various Positions album, but it didn't actually hit the Hot 100 until 2008 when Kate Vogel's version reached number 68. Earlier that year, though, the song surged in popularity after Jason Castro covered it on American Idol. His rendition, which channeled Jeff Buckley's own 1994 cover of the track, spurred Buckley's version to debut at number one on the Digital Songs chart. Though it didn't chart on the Hot 100 because we had chart rules that prevented things like that from happening. We've since changed them. Yes. Yes. Um, since then, the song has become a favorite of reality competition show contestants. Yes. Um, including Lee Wise and Jordan Smith, um, who both charted cover versions on the Hot 100. Why is it, Katie, Ooh. that this song is just so... Because I joked, I was joking with someone last week when the Pentatonix song was, um, the Pentatonix cover was doing so well. I'm like, do we really need yet another version of Hallelujah? It's one of those songs like, you know, I personally discovered it actually through um, Rufus Wainwright's cover. Which I don't actually know, I don't think. So that's from the Shrek soundtrack. Oh, that actually was. was. In 2001, (laughs) I was reading, I was reading on the interwebs. Yes. (laughs) That some people credit the resurgence of the song to the Shrek version. Yeah, because that Shrek soundtrack was a hit soundtrack and I I heard it from there first and thought man this is such a gorgeous song I, I really love I was going to say loved but love Rufus Wainwright 
and um, he's still alive. Still alive. Yeah. And that caused me to discover the Jeff Buckley version, and then caused me to discover that it was originally by Leonard Cohen, and you know went down that rabbit hole. And I kind of feel like this song is one of those songs that has that impact when you hear it the first time, however you hear it, wherever you hear it, where you're like, what is this? I need to know more about it, and you go look into it. So I think that. People younger than myself discovered it through Jason Castro's version, and now kids today will discover it through Pentatonix's version, and then rediscover Jeff Buckley and Leonard Cohen, and the cycle continues. Funny, funny how that works. Yeah, I mean, I I would imagine I just I just thought did of, you know the Jeff Buckley version first? I think I knew the Jeff Buckley version first, and then I then later. I mean, I'm, I'm not even sure if, like, the first time I heard it, if I knew that it was actually Leonard Cohen's song. Right. I think I just thought it was, like, this Jeff Buckley track. And then later, um, I discovered that it was Leonard Cohen. Leonard Cohen was just sitting on money, basically, yeah, from seriously. this song. Um, when you when you talked about songs that people discover after the fact, um, you know, I think because I've, I am a certain age, and you are a certain age, and maybe a lot of people listening are of a certain age— um, they think of songs like, well, why do we need to have another cover of this? Right. But I remember when I watched Carrie Underwood perform Hearts Alone on American mm. Idol, and I knew the original version of Alone. Yes. By the way, Hearts' version of Alone is actually a cover. That is a cover. Ooh, I did not know that. Yeah. Who knew? I mean, I knew, but I mean, <laughs> I didn't know when Hearts... I didn't know I when mean, the, I do. <laughs> back in the eighties I didn't know that it was a cover, but I right. later discovered that it was a cover. So Hart's version, it was a number one hit on the Hot One Hundred, was already a cover. Then Carrie, you know, breaks out of the pack with her cover and turned on a whole new generation of people to that song. Yep. It became very identifiable with her. Yeah. So the cycle continues. I mean, it's like you'll however a great song is discovered, it's gonna be discovered. Like, you know, it's if if you hear it in any many different versions, we talk a lot about how a great song can cross over genres. Yeah. And and that kind of is the sign of a great song. So it makes a lot of sense that it a great song is one that's great for good voices on a contest to cover, you know? Right. Um, but it, and it's just gorgeous. The lyrics are gorgeous, and I think that also linking it to Christmas makes sense, mm-hmm. you know, for Pentatonix. How They're really brilliant to do that, so, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, there you go. There's your chart stat of the week. Uh, Pentatonix uh, brings uh, Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah on to the Hot 100, the eighth time the track has appeared on the Hot 100 chart. But not final. I'm sure. <laughs> um, now it's time for our guest interview with uh, Brendan Urie, a.k.a. Panic at the Disco. Woohoo! Um, we actually caught up with Brendan. Um, I caught up with him. I say it's the royal we. Um, <laughs> I caught up with Brendan a few days actually after the iHeart Radio Music Festival in Vegas at the very end of September. Um we were actually going to record our podcast there, but then the timing didn't work out, and so we got on the phone a few days later. Yeah. So when you when you hear him reference something about iHeart, you'll understand why he's mentioning it yeah. in the interview. Um, anyway, so it was right after he released the video for L.A. Devotee, um, and we, we talk about the Buzzy video, which stars uh, Noah Schnapp of the hit show Stranger Things, and how Brendan would love to guest star on the show oh in my God. the future. Wouldn't we all? Wouldn't we all? <laughs> um, he also talks about the idea of how he'd love to base a movie around songs that he's written. Um, I suggested that he could like pull a Beyonce 
with his next album. Visual. Because he's released so many videos from the Death of a Bachelor album. Yes. Um, It just seems like, and he's such a visual artist, it would just kind of make sense. People like looking at him, too. Yeah. He's he's easy on the eyes, as a lot of people might say. Um, And he's also a wonderful musician as well, with an amazing voice. And we talk about, a little bit, because he's going on the road here in the next month, we talk about how he, you know, kind of maintains his voice, and if he has to, like, watch what he eats to sort of maintain that sort of performance level. Yeah. So we talk about all that and more. Uh, so here's our interview with Panic at the Disco's Brendan Yurt. Champagne, cocaine, gasoline, and most things in between. Welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. Uh, Brendan Yuri, how are you? I am good, Keith. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm, I am lovely. Um, <laughs> Uh, thank you for calling. Are you at home right now? Are you kind of on a little mini vacation right now? Uh, yeah, mini little two-day vacation. Awesome. A two-day vacation. Great. <laughs> well, we've put you to work on your vacation. So we actually caught up at iHeart a while back, and uh, I was so happy to speak with you there. And thank you for taking the time. And now we are rendezvousing on the phone. Um, we've been trying to get you on to our podcast for a while, so thank you for doing this. Yeah. And um, you. you know. The first thing I want to talk about, you know, we talked about it at iHeart, but, you know, people perhaps haven't seen our interview. L.A. Devotee, the video just came out recently, and and mm-hmm. it's like, I think, I want to say it's like the sixth video from the album. Am I counting correctly? It feels like you've done a ton yeah. of videos for the album. Yeah, yeah, I believe it's number six. I'm with you. I, I can't remember now. <laughs> it's been so many. <laughs> Is, is the, are you going to, like, just keep on, like, plugging through videos and, like, eventually do a video for every song on the album? Is that the goal? It seems to be going that way. That wasn't the goal, but every few months or so, or every month or so, I, I start to think, like, oh, this would be a fun song to do a video for. And then we just kind of shoot it bare bones, uh, me and a, and a couple friends, and then it just works out. But I don't know. Yeah, I'll see, like, how far I want to keep going with this. I think it'd be fun to do at least a couple more. You got two black eyes from loving too hard and a black car that matches your blackest soul. I wouldn't change it. Oh, wouldn't ever try to make you for um for LA Devotee specifically, I mean, was it like a sort of a big production? Like, because it seems, I mean, it looks really cool and it looks like it took a long time to make, but it also, from what you just said, it kind of makes it seem like you did it kind of quickly. Was it a very long process to put the video together? Yeah, no, that came together over the course of about a week, and we shot it in about two days. And it was wow. it was Brendan Walter who directed, and he's a phenomenal, just great visionary guy. You know, he's got a lot of really cool ideas. Um, so we just started talking ideas, like, oh, it'd be cool. He mentioned, uh, hey, I'd like to do, like, a cult video. And I said, perfect. That's exactly how I'd want to present this song, because it's such a juxtaposed to that whole LADOP idea. So we started thinking about that. And then in that same week, I think we talked about this last time, Noah Schnapp hit me up and emailed us and was like, hey, I'd love to do something if you guys are working on anything for Panic. And we said, perfect. Do you want to be in this video? And he said, yeah. So it, it worked out. Like, just kind of, I guess, serendipity kicked in. and just worked out perfectly. So does this mean that you're now going to be, like, a guest star on Stranger Things, like, next season? Is that how it's going <laughs> to work out? <laughs> well, yeah, most people don't know. I'm actually the Demogorgon. So there you go. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, spoiler <laughs> alert! Too late now. Um, no, I mean seriously though. Would, I mean, would you uh, have you have you uh, have you made an appeal to the powers that be to be like, yo, put me in your show? I haven't said anything at all yet, uh, but now that you mention it, it wouldn't be a bad idea. I mean, I would love to. I love that show, so that would be amazing. 
we put it we put it in the universe let's make it happen yeah um you know i mean you're you're such like a visual artist and i know people say that all the time but you know you're you're so dynamic where you know the the music and the visuals and the performance all go hand in hand and i mean they're all each independent of course of one another but at the same time when you combine them all it's just such this powerful experience and i know that sounds like sort of very highfalutin but i think you know what i mean um have you have you thought about just like doing like a full-on like beyonce visual album sort of thing because you could like make a full you know kind of long form movie sort of thing happen like with the next album if you wanted to yeah, I appreciate you saying that. I mean, more and more I start thinking in that regard. It's it's really like wanting to do something theatrical, something cinematic, something, you know, in terms of film. I, I yeah. love film. I love movies. I'm just such a fan of it all. So, like, all the magic that goes behind that, there's so much work that goes into it. And so I'm so prepared to kick into gear and just figure out exactly how to make something like that happen. Because that would be phenomenal. You know, basing a movie around songs that I've written would be such a cool idea. And, and I should know this, but I don't. But I mean, have you like done like, like, like sort of any like feature directing or directing for episodic television or like acted and stuff, or is it mostly just been focused on oh, music? Man. It's mostly been music, but I, I have done a couple auditions. Only like it's a, I don't know. It was really strange because all my friends were like, "Hey, man, you should do this thing. You should audition for this thing." So I got a couple offers thrown at me, and I gave it a shot. You know what's so weird? I like the whole audition process. It's so weird, man. Like coming yeah. from the music world where like you step on stage and everything's great and there's so much praise and so many fans going to, you know, a room where there's three people in there and they're like, okay, be funny, be charismatic, be this character that we want you to be. It's so crazy, but I don't know. That's a challenge I think I want to accept in the future. I haven't done anything serious yet, but yeah, something along that. I think that kind of nervousness makes me excited. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's got to be, like, such a weird, like, transition to be, like, you know, I'm so used to, like, being on stage in front of, like, thousands of people and it's like, yo, what's up? And then it's like, now I have to go stand in front of you and, like, be funny. I'm like, well, I don't know if it works yeah. that way for me. But anyway. <laughs> um, other person. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of which, you're, you're about to go back out on the road. Um, you know, you have some European shows in November and then Australia in January, and then you come back to the U.S. next February. Um, you know, is there – how do you, like, prepare to go back out on the road? Do you, like, you know, really rest up your voice, like, between shows? Do you, like is, – is there some sort of – because your voice is just so, uh, you know, powerful, and, like, it can hit all these notes that, like, you know, most people can't. It's it's like, you know, it's amazing. And I'm like, God, how does he keep it up each night? Like, is there something that you have to do to sort of keep the stamina going? Yeah, I appreciate that, man. I, I mean, like, there is a certain regimen I have to follow, routine I, I have, just to make sure that I don't completely screw myself over. I definitely have to take care of my voice on the road. Uh, I change my diet, and I do a bunch of things physically to make sure that I stay in good shape um, just to, to be able to perform. But other than that, like, in between tours, when I'm home, all bets are off. I, I'm, I'm like, I'm starting to realize the older I get, maybe I should take better care of myself because as I'm talking to you now, I'm like uh, getting ready. I'm running a grocery list. <laughs> like, and on this grocery list is just like hot dogs, margarita mix, uh, tequila. It's just like stuff that's so bad for you. So I'm really – Well, clearly you're planning a party a... or something or a barbecue, <laughs> obviously. This is not I your normal nightly dinner. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. No, every night it's nachos more. and hot dogs at your house basically is what you're saying. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. It's always Dodger Ducks. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's, it's yeah. 
Well, thank you so much for doing this. I, I, I was only going to keep you yeah. on the phone for a short time and uh, no have so much fun on the road. Uh, keep, you know, stay sane uh, and don't get sick. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate and, uh, that. I'm going to try. Thanks. Well, you know, I mean, as, as one should. Thanks again, Brendan. Um, thank you so much for taking the time. Make sure to catch Panic at the Disco on tour throughout Europe in November. And if you are in Australia or New Zealand, he'll be heading there in January and early February. And for those of us in the United States, they'll return to the U.S. in February and have dates lined up through April. <laughs> um, and I say veil as if there's like like he's like he, he does is have Panic a band the with him, but there is a band. Yes. So you know he is Panic of the Disco, but there are other people that are performing yes. with him. Yes. Um, that would be amazing though if he performed all of the songs on his own with every instrument. Like he was like one of those guys that has like you know a band I, like he's attached to a drum Sheeran kit. Does. <laughs> True. Yeah, I don't think he's gotten that far yet. So. Um, any uh, parting words, Katie? I think we're at the end of our show here. Well, I feel like um, we should let the people know that we discovered a fun fact while we were doing a little Hallelujah research. When we were looking up other songs called Hallelujah that had charted, Panic at the Disco came up. They have a song called Hallelujah, but it's not a cover of Hallelujah. Oh, well, should we go out on the Hallelujah by Panic at the Disco? Definitely. I think it ties everything together perfectly in a little bow. All right, we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Taking me back, letting me fly through.